everybody. Um, God put something on my heart to share tonight, and Pastor is always good to accommodate. Um, we've been studying on our Bible study um, faith, authority, confession, fasting, healing, and we added renewing your mind. Um, so I'm kind of going down a trail here, so just bear with me. Um, I want to start off tonight talking about familiar stories that we've heard over and over and over since we were kids, most of us. Baby Moses floating down the Nile and Noah and the ark. And think for a second about what your favorite Bible study or Bible story is. We've all probably got a favorite. I know for Joe, her favorite is Jonah and the whale. And if she ever had any say-so on what grandma taught for children's church or what movie they watched or anything, she always picked Jonah. And um, for me, I, I always like the story of the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. That's one of my favorites. And Katie's team David. She likes to study about David. She likes... She's cheering over here. She, David is, is her guy, and she likes to hear about David. So, But we've all heard him, and we've heard him over and over and over again, and we can retell him without the book. We've heard him so many times that we know him well. So I want to say something to you, and I, I want you guys to grasp this. I'm going to say it again later. But don't ever get so familiar with the retold stories that you disregard them. As adults, we get more revelation from the stories that we've heard hundreds of times. Moses was spared as an infant. He didn't think he was qualified, but God did. Noah had great faith and was obedient, and he didn't question God when he didn't understand what God was telling him to do. He just did it. David was just a young boy, but it didn't matter what size the giant was that he was up against. He told Saul that the Lord that delivered him from the lion and the bear would deliver him from the hand of the Philistines. So we draw inspirations and encouragement from these stories, and I want you to think about this for a second. What if we didn't have their stories? What if we didn't have their stories to draw from? What if we didn't have the stories from Jesus? We, we read throughout the Bible all the people that Jesus healed, that he delivered um, from demons, and those people's lives were changed, and they went and told other people their story, and those people's lives were changed. But what if we didn't have that? What if we didn't have all those stories? In John chapter, chapter 4, there's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, and in verse 39, it says that many in the village believed because of her story. Because of one story, a whole village was transformed. So there's thousands, these stories are thousands of years old, but yet they in, still influence our lives. So don't ever get familiar with, with the retold stories and disregard them. So we can get new revelation from God from the familiar stories. Amen? Think about the story of Smith Wigglesworth. If you don't know about Smith Wigglesworth, I encourage you to study about him a little bit because his life is fascinating. And as a young boy, he grew up in poverty, and he, he didn't have an education. I think he was seven or eight years old. He started working in a factory to help out, his, help out his family. And so he could just barely read, but when he met his wife, she taught him to read the Bible. And throughout his life, he said he didn't even read much else beside the Bible because that's what he chose to put into, into himself. But under his ministry, many people were healed, and he even raised people from the dead because of the intimate relationship that he had with God. Kenneth Hagin is another one that, that I grew up hearing about and, and, and my mom talked a lot about and we went and saw Kenneth Hagin. And so I have several Kenneth Hagin books and almost every book that I find on the back cover, it has his story. He tells about when he was 16 years old and he was on his deathbed and God healed him from a deformed heart and an incurable blood disease and he went on to preach the gospel for 70 years. What if we didn't have their stories? We have a, a young girl in our church, a young lady in our church, 
And um, she called me here a couple months ago, and she was really excited because she was um, taking a class, and they weren't really supposed to discuss religion, but uh, the person that was leading the class called on two people, and they said, we want you to tell us what you do to start off your day to help you to have a good day. So, so she jumped at the opportunity to say, I start my day with prayer, and I start my day in devotion, or, or however she explained it, she starts her day with God. And so she was really happy that she got to give God a plug. And so then a, another girl in the class came up to her afterwards and said, you know, you really inspired me by what you said. Can you tell me more? And so she's a new Christian. She freaked out a little bit, and she was like, hang on a minute. So she said she ran to the bathroom, and she just prayed, God, I don't know what to say. Help me. I, I don't know a lot of scriptures. I don't know what to say to her. And the spirit quickened her and said, tell your story. So no matter how much scripture you might know or or how new or how old you are in this relationship with God, you have your story, and that's your story, your special story. And that your story makes you know that you know that you know that God is real because it happened to you, and nobody can take that away from you. So, so that inspired me when she told me that story. Um, and and it, God had already put a message on my heart about this, but your story is different than my story, and her story is different than my story, and pastor's story is different than my story. And I used to feel like I don't have this real great, cool testimony. I love pastor's testimony, and I probably tell it more than he does because he's like, well, everybody already knows. Don't ever stop telling it. Don't ever, don't ever get lax with that familiar story because there might be somebody new that's hearing it for the first time, or there might be somebody that will get something out of it maybe that has heard it before. But what better way to renew our minds than to focus on what God's done in our lives? And I just encourage you, it doesn't matter if it's your full testimony or if it's just some small things that God has done in your life. No, nothing that God's done in your life is too small to tell because he does it for us, but he also does it for his glory. And we give him glory when we tell other people about it. So um, I felt led to kind of tell my story a little bit tonight. I'm going to kind of try to do it briefly because... It's 40-something years, so I don't want to go into the whole thing. But, but I feel like that there's somebody here um, either that maybe hasn't heard it before or, so, or there's something that you'll get out of it tonight. But anyway, um, as a kid, my mom got saved when I was two years old. And so we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, if there was a revival in town, I remember as a kid going to tent revivals. If, like I said, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, R.W. Shambach, any of those big-time preachers was in town. We were there. My mom had Bible studies and prayer meetings at her house all throughout my life. I mean, for decades. This wasn't a phase that she went through, but this was the life that she lived for decades. And um, I remember a girl that's uh, about my age. She said the first time she ever heard about Jesus was under my mom's kitchen table when my mom was leading her mom um, to the Lord. So that's, that's awesome. When I got um, old enough to go to school, I went to Inglewood Christian um, so I had Bible in school, and we had chapel every week, and, um, you know, that's a blessing, too, because kids, especially nowadays, they don't get that, but I learned um, chapters of the Bible. I memorized chapters of the Bible. That was, I didn't know anything outside of, of church and Christian school, and, you know, that was just my life, and that was my heritage, and I loved God, and I didn't want to disappoint God, um, but as I got to be an adult and life happened, um, it didn't take much. Any excuse, if it was raining hard outside, it was a good enough excuse for me to miss church. I'm not proud of that, but I just want to tell you where I was at at the time. I had struggled with anxiety. Um, even as a kid, I was a worrier. I worried about things. And so in my adult life, 
that escalated and anxiety um, kind of ruled my life. And I, I worried about stuff all the time. When I went to God in prayer, it was usually my, my want list. Um, that was just the relationship I had. If I had something really big that was troubling me, I usually called my mom because my mom had great faith. And so I'd call my mom and say, Mom, I need you to pray about this. And back in the day, we didn't have Google, so you couldn't pick up your phone and, or your computer and Google a scripture. So I'd call my mom and say, hey, Mom, where does the Bible say blah, blah, blah? And, you know, she, she probably was quicker than Google. She could tell me right where it was at. So in 2007, October of 2007, our world kind of turned upside down. My mom or my dad um, had a major stroke. Um, he had a bleed on the left side of his brain, so he was paralyzed on his right side. And it affected several things. He wasn't the same as he was before the stroke. Um, but I was big and pregnant with Kylie. I was due in, in January, so you can imagine by late October I was big. And so my dad was in the hospital for weeks, three or four weeks, I think. Um, went to a rehab, and that didn't go so well. That he got kicked out of that pretty quickly because he didn't want to be there. So anyways, my mom and I brought him home. He was a two-person assist. And um, so I was there. I would take the kids, take Chris and Katie at the time were in school, and Caleb was two. So I would drop Chris and Katie off at school, and I would go to my parents' house, and I would help my mom take care of my dad, um, pick the kids up from school, go back to my parents' house until I got my dad um, in bed that night. And then sometimes my mom would have to call me in the middle of the night because um, he would get sick or just different things happened, and she couldn't get him up or down by herself. My dad had, in addition to the stroke, he had a bad heart and diabetes and some other health conditions. Um, so things were touch and go. He almost didn't make it through the stroke, but he did. Um, but then his heart began to get bad. They couldn't do anything about it because of the bleed on his brain. So um, his, his condition worsened. And um, a lot of days when I would drive over there to help take care of him, I would think on the way there, is this going to be the day that he dies? Am I going to know what to do? Am I going to know... Um, how to react to what happens. And so, um, again, being someone who has already fought anxiety, it was, I, I can't even tell you, it was off the charts at that point. Um, my mom was pretty frail, and I mean, she was older anyways, and she was exhausted because my dad didn't sleep much, and he would holler out and stuff. And she had a lot of swelling in her lower extremities, and she started having a lot of pain. So she finally went to the doctor herself um, and had some tests run. And three weeks before my dad passed, we found out that my mom had cancer. So that was, that was really difficult. Um, I, again, my mind just was overloaded with um, how I was going to handle it all and what if I lost them both. And just, it was just a lot. It, uh, it was a lot. But anyways, so my dad passed away in April and my mom passed away in July. And I remember that night walking out of the emergency room after my mom passed. And I never, never had or never have since felt as lonely as I did that night. I don't know what it is about losing your parents. Um, it, both of them were tricky, but my mom and I were really close. Um, and so I felt really hopeless. And... So as the days went by, you know, you're busy with the funeral and all that kind of stuff. And so I threw myself into taking care of their things in their house because all of a sudden I had 40 years worth of stuff to take care of. So I, I threw myself into that, and people would tell me all the time how strong I was. And I felt anything but strong. 
Um, but I thought to myself, you know, you don't know that I cry myself to sleep every night. And, um, you know, of course, eventually I got done with their things and, and their house and got all that stuff taken care of. And so um, I thank God that I have kids because my kids kept me going. My kids were my reason for getting out of bed, which I didn't do often. Um, I hid that pretty well. I would get Chris and Katie off to school, and Caleb and Kylie were little, but I, I didn't get out of bed except what I had to to function. And at the time, I didn't even realize that I was depressed because the funny thing about depression is it kind of sneaks up on you. It's not that one day everything's happy-go-lucky and the next day you're depressed. It's something that kind of gradually comes on. And I didn't realize even at the time that I was depressed, but I had no idea. I knew that I wasn't in a good place. I knew that that being as hopeless as I felt and everything, I wasn't in a good place. But I didn't know that I was depressed, and I sure didn't know how to get out of it. But one day, I don't even know if, how many months into it, maybe a year into it, I don't know. But I realized one day that I couldn't remember the last time that I had prayed. And for somebody who grew up in church and had a Christian background like that, and I said my mom would have beat me if she would have, if she'd have been around to know that. But but I realized that my mom was such like my connection to God that I mourned my mom and I, I I had a difficult time even. I mean, it's been 12 years and I still can't hardly talk about it. So at the time, I just kind of suppressed um, my mom and anything to do with my mom. So in the midst of that, God kind of got suppressed too. Not kind of, he did. Um, and so I tried to pray a couple of times, but I just felt like that my prayers were going to the ceiling and bouncing back. And I think part of it was, um, guilt because I had had let myself go so long without talking to God. I couldn't imagine myself going to church without my mom because we always went together. And so um, anyways, it, I knew that it wasn't good and I knew that I wasn't in a good place, but I just felt like that God was so far away and why would he want to hear from me after the way that I basically had turned my back on him. So I just kind of stayed in this funk for two or three years and then in August of 2011, I went to a little church in Richmond. And when I walked in the door, I just felt at home. And um, for the first time in years, I felt God's presence again. And I, I can't even tell you, unless you've experienced it yourself, when you've been in a place like that where it's so dark, um, and then all of a sudden you feel God. And it's not that God wasn't there all along waiting you know, for me to come to him. It was... It was my own thoughts and my own feelings that kept me away from God. Um, but it was kind of ironic. I grew up in independence in a church called Full Gospel, and um, my pastor was Lorne Waterman. And his nephew, Clifford Waterman, had pastored Messenger Chapel years ago. And so my pastor, Leonard Hendricks, had come up under him. And so the, the feel of what I grew up in as a kid and what there was at Messenger, it was just, it was, I mean, I, it was only God. I can't even explain it any other way because I don't even know how I, well, I know how I ended up, but it's ironic that I ended up in Richmond, from Independence to Richmond. I never even heard of Richmond before this time, but but God knew what he was doing. I mean, it wasn't any surprise to God that I ended up there, but but I loved I loved the church. I loved feeling God's presence again, and I, I went every time the church door was open. Um, and so I, I just continued to press into that and kept growing closer to God. And um, I remember a, f a few months in, I think it was, um, Pastor Leonard had a prayer line. And so I went forward and, and Pastor said, what do you need prayer for, sis? And I said, I keep trying to get 
close to God like I once was, but I just, I can't seem to get back there. And Pastor Leonard said, stop trying to get back where you once were and start today. And that was like my light bulb moment. Like, I didn't need to go back because what was behind me wasn't great anyways. What, what I had, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful for my heritage, but that wasn't what I needed. I needed a relationship with God. And instead, I relied on my mom's relationship with God. And I relied on my mom's faith. And so one thing that I've learned out of that, and if you don't hear me say anything else tonight, if you don't listen to anything else, hear me say this. God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. And I tell my kids all the time, you don't have a golden ticket to heaven because your dad's a preacher. And Grace kind of looked at me when I first said that, and her mouth kind of dropped open. But you can't get to heaven because your dad's a preacher. You can't get to heaven because your mom or your grandma is a good Christian. It doesn't work like that. It takes us having a relationship with God. We have to ask Jesus into our heart and to forgive us for our sins. And we have to live that life down. So when I began a relationship with God, I had a peace that... I, I don't remember. I mean, maybe as a child I had it, but as an adult, I don't remember ever having that peace. And so my life began to change for the better. And it was just, I, I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough of God. I couldn't get enough of church. I just wanted more and more. And so here I was, a grown woman. And for the first time, I had my own personal relationship with God. And um, But life wasn't all cupcakes and rainbows. But I can tell you one thing, whatever you go through in life, it's so much easier to go through it with God than to try to figure it out on your own. But in March um, of 2015, um, my aunt, we were at Walmart, and she um, hemorrhaged in my arms. Um, and I, I, it, we were in the middle of the floor at Walmart, and it was a horrific scene. But, again, I can't even explain it. There was a peace there. And I, I mean, I knew that God was there. I knew that God was right there with us. And I just whispered in her ear and I prayed. And um, and so later, you know, I mean, she passed and everything. And when it was all over with, I asked God to take those images out of my head. And he did. I mean, I just, I, I it was horrible. My aunt and I were very close. She was like a second mother to me. But God helped me through that. I mean, it was a, it was a terrible time in my life, but he helped me through it. And six weeks after um, my aunt passed, I was 19 weeks pregnant, and on May 6th of 2015, my water broke. And I already knew, um, I guess I need to back up. I was, I was 19 weeks pregnant when we went to the doctor, thinking that we were going to find out if we were having a boy or a girl. And the doctor told us that the baby was dead. The baby didn't have a heartbeat. And so then on, on May 6th, which was a few weeks later, my water broke. And so I knew, I, I already knew what to expect. Um, it was scary being at home. Forrest was at work. I had Grace and Joe at home, and my water broke. And I've had a lot of babies, and I, when my water breaks, it, something's happening fast. I mean, I just that's just how it goes. And so, again, I prayed, and I said, God, please, I, I, I know that the baby's already gone, but let me get to the hospital. I don't want to, you know, be here by myself with the girls. And so I called our Aunt Rhonda, and she came over, and Forrest left work, and, you know, God did exactly what I asked him to do. He helped me to get there. They induced my labor, and um, I delivered the baby. And again, I'm having this talk with God because it, it was a difficult time. It was um, a different kind of a loss because it was um, this person that I didn't know, that I didn't have a relationship with, but I wanted a relationship with. So I knew that it was going to be difficult until I asked God 
once again to be with me. And he was. And again, he gave me this peace that I can't explain. And this song kept going through my head. And it says, I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe and feel your heartbeat. And it was if, it was if Jesus was right there in that room and I was laying back against him, I could feel his heartbeat. And it was, it was horrible and it was a difficult time. But I asked God not to let me be consumed by my grief like I was when my parents died. And again, he answered my prayer. I mean, I, I can't explain how I got through these hard times. I can't explain it was God. There's no other explanation because I tried it without him. And it cost me two or three years of my life. And I tried it with him. And I had a peace that surpassed all understanding. And not only that, but then three years later, he blessed us with Jesse, who we were able to adopt. We weren't out looking to adopt. We didn't, I mean, it just, God just, it just happened. God had a plan. It was outside of what I ever thought would happen, but God knew. And so the Bible doesn't promise us that we're in a relationship with God, that we won't ever have to walk through the fire. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, but they weren't in there alone because there was a fourth man. So I, I just want to encourage you. I, I draw from that story so often. When the king looked in, he said, there's a fourth man, and he looks like the son of God. And when Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. You know, they, they were in there. They got thrown in the fire, but they came through it. So whenever we go through the fire, we're not alone. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And Matthew 28.20 says, Jesus said, I'm with you always. So no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. And I just want to remind you tonight that whatever you're going through is a continuation of your story. And your story is important. My story is important. So I just want to encourage you, don't ever stop telling your story. And during this time where we were finding extra time on our hands and, we, and people are asking questions and maybe you don't know how to answer them, tell them your story. Tell them what God's done for you. Nothing's too small for for you to give God glory for. And I just encourage you to think about your story, draw from your story, share your story, write your story down. Because even for me, I know my story and I've told my story multiple times. But when, I, when I'm reminded of what God's done and what he's brought me and, and those feelings of hopelessness and loneliness that I used to have and the peace and the contentment and the joy that I have now, I don't ever want to go back. As pastor says often, there's nothing back there that I want to go back for. I want to keep pressing into God. I want to keep building the relationship, but I want to let him keep writing my story. So I encourage you guys to do the same. If we could close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for our stories. Father, we thank you that we're never alone no matter what we're going through in our lives. Lord, you're right there with us, Father, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the comforter that you send, the helper that you've sent, Lord, that when we're in need, he's right there to comfort us and to be there with us. Lord, we just thank you for it, Father. I just ask you to, to help everybody to remember their story, to remember what you've done for them, Lord. Remind them how special their story is, Lord, and give them the boldness to share it, Father, to share your glory with other people, Lord. We just ask you to help us through these hard times, Lord, as we look into opening back up our country, Father. We just ask for your guidance, Lord. Lord, we just ask for peace, your peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord, that we know that you're the one that protects us, Father, and you're the one that keeps us safe. Lord, we can't look to man for, 
for direction, Father, but we can look to you, Lord, and we our confidence is in you, Lord. We thank you for that, Father. Lord, I just ask for a protective hedge around all of our family and our church family, Lord, and everyone that's over through the sound of my voice, Lord, that you just keep us safe from any harm, Father. Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you guys Sunday at 1050.